0: Hi everyone! I'm recording this from my pantry. This is a first, but here we are. It's summer, it's July, and we are in the heat in North Carolina, still home with our children, and still trying to work and have some sanity at the same time. And how's it going for you? It's great over here. But today's episode is going to help because I have this wonderful interview with such an incredible person named Monica Binger. She is a coach. She trained in authentic leadership at Raleigh Coaching Academy, as I did. She has also trained to be a thought coach at the Transformational Thinking Institute out of California. And she coaches people Um, In a way that is unique to her in the sense that it's a hybrid of different forms of coaching. And she focuses on teaching as she coaches and helping her clients explore their thoughts, identify them and work to change them so that their lives change. It's so cool. She is so cool. You'll just feel her passion and her heart as she speaks. And I just know you're really going to enjoy it and take a lot from it. At least I hope you do. So I'm sending you big hugs and love as we enter this 4th of July weekend where we will be watching fireworks on the TV from years gone by and years in the future. And um, as always, we're in this together. And I hope you get some time for yourself, some time in a swimming pool, some time in some air conditioning, something like that. Enjoy the episode. And if you would, when you're done, leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and pass it along to someone else who you think might enjoy it. It really helps to get this podcast in more hands. And I would be grateful. Thank you and be well. Bye. Hi, you're here. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm so good. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. And I'm just, yeah, thankful to have you here and thankful for your time. And always for your presence. I just was telling, I told everyone a little bit about you and um, just as an introduction. And, and yeah, and I just am so happy that my listeners can get a bit of you today, in a sense, for who you are and learn about this beautiful work that you do. So thank you for being here.
1: Oh, well, thank you for your kind words. And thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Well,
0: I always love being with you. I I think it's okay for me to say that um, Monica, as we know, Monica is a coach. Monica is a friend and someone I've learned and grown with, but she's also someone who has coached me and she is, uh, you are (laughs) coach and, um, and have this really special technique that you use and that you've honed to help people move forward in their lives. And I really want to get into that so people can learn more. Um, but, I thought that the way that we might begin is with you sharing your backstory of your life and and what brought you to become a coach because it really is such an incredible story, your life story and everything you've been through. And I know we only have an hour here, but this is <laughs> this is just um, I'm just yeah, i'm I'm just so excited for you to share sort of how it all transpired so please go ahead
1: oh well thank you um you know I guess I could start with what brought me to where I am today and it's um when I realized that there was another way that I could live my life um and I started to you know pay attention to things that came I crossed my path um, my life literally transformed it started to transform literally within weeks I, I can't say it's transformed already because I you know I think we're always in this process of learning and growing you. but um, you know from a young age I um, was born and raised in South Africa and you um, you know, from a very young age, I, I remember as a kid worrying, um, I would just, I was a warrior, um, and I would just worry about the little things, and, um, you know, through the teen years, um, at 16, we, we moved from South Africa to America, that was a huge, um, adjustment for me. Um, and, you know, I found that as life's difficulties, um, would cross my path, um, just stress would hit. And, um, I got the more stressed I would get, the more difficult it was. And, um, you know, through, through my teenage years, um, had a couple of friends who were, Two women. Um, one I didn't know really well. I knew her dad very well, um, and another was a friend of the family. I'd met her a couple of times, and those events really, really impacted me. And um, and I care. I realize, you know, I'm in my late 40s, and I realized that those those were two, two events. I, I think we go through life. Laps- well, trauma, we have these expectations of, oh, I have to have gone through X, Y, or Z to, um, to consider what I went through as traumatic. And, um, you know, within the last year, I had someone, you know, I, I was talking about those two um, events, and I said, it's so silly that um, that I had such a hard time um, with with the second when I was 19 and I really, it really hit, hit me hard. And um, to a point where I questioned life, like what is it all about? Um, And, you know, recently I had had a friend um, and mentor say to me, it was traumatic to you. And um, so I, I guess I can't move on without saying um you know who are we to judge whether an event was traumatic or not and uh, there's there's just I've, what I'm realizing now is that the what we lack is kindness um but you know from my teenage years when was was actually in college when my second friend was, brutally murdered um, here in America. Oh, my gosh. um, Because if I may
0: interject, I was going to ask if it was all sort of the two murders, if they were related to the reality of living in South Africa. But you just said one was in America. But the reason I ask that is just to point out that here you are, this successful woman having lived in the United States for 30-plus years with this wonderful marriage and two grown girls and (laughs) just all of these things, and yet you had this upbringing in South Africa that is something that so many of us cannot begin to imagine. And while we can't touch on all of that, I think it's just interesting to point out that you faced a lot of trauma there. And then Mm -hmm. also here, and that trauma happens in big or small ways wherever we are, and that you point Mm -hmm. out something so significant that your friend was murdered, or two friends, and of course that was a traumatic event for you, you know, and taking the time to recognize that that really 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 impacted you even though it didn't happen to you directly so something can really make such an impact on your life um, mm-hmm. yeah so anyway yeah want to expand and, on that go ahead
1: yeah and you know the, the the heart the heart the the part where I kept telling myself well that why you know you shouldn't even you know the shoulds and shouldn'ts you shouldn't have it shouldn't have affected you um, the first little girl, uh, well, I say little, she was probably 14, um, or 15. She was around the same age as I was. I had never met her. Um, and you know, we knew her dad and, um, he came and knocked on our door. Um, we were the first people that he came, he came to my parents. And, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to realize that life life is full of difficulty, um, and for for all of these years, I spent every waking moment, um, you know, just trying to push it away. You know, yeah. we we have this unrealistic expectation that nothing bad should happen, and um, you know those two events really impacted the way that I parented my kids. Um, I have two daughters and um, I was overprotective. And, you know, um, just going through, you know, we go through these events and um, we, there are things for us to learn through every experience, no matter how hard it is. And, you know, it's, for me, it was, if I can control all of these situations, um, you know, I, I was a workaholic um, through my career. I finished college, went into pharmaceuticals, um, and, you know, I, I was a workaholic Uh, when my husband and I first got married, um, I would leave the house before he was up um i was usually in the office by 7 30 um and i worked all day and mm-hmm. so i was a workaholic i was stressed to the max and i look back now um and i look back on my last job that i have, and i really loved my work but what i didn't love was was the stress and so you know what kind of got me to where I am today is that stress followed me around, um, and I thought, you know, you imagine it as this as this cloud above your head, mm-hmm. and um, the the reason why I have um, you know decided to become a coach was because I was workaholic, but I. So think-aholic. Um, I did not give my mind a break. I was thinking 24-7, um, couldn't enjoy the moments, was constantly thinking about what should or shouldn't happen or how things could be different or what's going to happen next. And um, I ended up, um, I, I quit my job after I had my first daughter. And the reason was because I... I knew enough that I did not have the ability, um, I realize now that I did, I just didn't have the tools, but I didn't believe that I had the ability to have um, a balance, a work-life balance, and I, so I resigned from my job, um, which I really, um, to this day, it was my dream job, and if someone came to me tomorrow and said, I got this job waiting for you, I'd go right back in, Wow, that's how much I loved it. And, um, and so then after kids um, and having, you know, different difficult life um, events happen, um, I ended up stressing so much and um, not being able to, to pay attention to my thoughts and change my thoughts. I, you know, I, I used to think that, oh, people say that you can change your thoughts from negative to positive. I didn't know how. And I thought it was a bunch of BS. Like, yeah, Mm. you just expect me to be happy. Um, There was so much that I didn't understand, but I ended up long story short. I ended up with chronic illness and um, I ended up back in 2017. um, You know, life was hard and I, I was fatigued all the time and I remember going to the doctor one day and she I said life is so hard Mm. I I just don't feel like I can handle this it's just too difficult and she looked at me and she said you have two kids you're homeschooling life's just hard like that that's just normal and um
0: she just said that's the way it is.
1: That's the way it is. Oh. And, and you know, that's the story that so many of us tell ourselves.
0: Oh, absolutely. Especially I mean, go,
1: when... Yeah. And we go through life saying like, you know, that's just hard. But long story short, I ended up being diagnosed with thy- thyroid issues, started on medication, my symptoms got worse with every month. And um finally I finally was my my thyroid was finally in a, in a, you know, a, a normal state. It was, it got to a point where I was on the medication, was doing fine and my symptoms just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And, um, you know, I won't go into de- details on everything, but mm. I ended up with neurological Lyme, um, disease. I had five other co-infections and I, Basically, it was to a point where um, my memory was, you know, there were days, uh, the difficult part of it was that there were days where I was fine, other days where I, some days I couldn't get out of bed. Most of the time, our um, word recall was non-existent. And there wow. were some days um, on the really bad days, I couldn't do much more than just mumble and point. Wow. And, and, and you know, what I realized now, I ended up, um, fortunately, I, you know, I I was pointed in the right direction. And, and I realize now that so often we are guided and people are put in our lives to, guide us and um, we come across we might come across an article or something like that and so often we don't pay attention and that's the biggest thing that I'm learning now is to pay attention to everything but yeah um, I was in the depths of despair and didn't know what 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 I was dealing with I had no idea I had Lyme disease and a, a friend of mine said um you got to go and see these people in Atlanta. And then she proceeded to tell me, um, you know, she was in a wheelchair at the time, unable to walk. She had Lyme disease since then. She has fully recovered. Um, And so I ended up going and doing bioenergetic testing and coming from a father who was a physician. I was in the, the pharmaceutical field um, calling on physicians and I it was a point. I think when you're ready, you're going to pay attention. And I couldn't, I spent two weeks trying to research and get, wrap my brains around how could a test like this tell you that you have Lyme? And I ended up just saying, you know what, what do I have to lose? Um, Life really can't get much worse than it is. And I ended up going to this, this clinic Um, they saved my life. Um, I completely recovered from Lyme.
0: Wow. And what kind of a treatment was it?
1: So it was a completely natural protocol. Um, and what I realized realized now, you know, it's, you know, if, if, if you have a medical issue, you have to get it checked out. Um, I had gotten it checked out. My doctor kept coming back to me and saying, you're fine you're fine. It's just your adrenals. You need to just catch up. It's fine. And, um, so I ended up, they found the, the bacteria, the spirochete, and I ended up doing a natural protocol. Um, and I was still under my regular physician's, um, care. I took the protocol was basically, um, natural, um, it was just basically everything was natural, and I was the the test to see. Okay, she's low on vitamin D. They were checking my vitamin levels. That I was low on vitamin A. My organs. They were giving me supplements to support my organs.
0: And That's um, incredible.
1: Yeah, and you know I will tell you that the 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 thing that healed me was my belief that I would get better and
0: um well because I was was gonna ask you Monica I'm sorry to interject but I have two questions that I don't want to let pass by one is it would be wonderful if you shared the name of the place where you went for the natural treatment for Lyme because it's something that so many people suffer from but more importantly we want to talk about of course your your thoughts and (laughs) your beliefs because that's that's really the key to all of it but I would love it if you would share that Lyme is something that so many people suffer from and it doesn't go diagnosed for a long time and to know that there's this wonderful natural treatment but my second question is um, that while you did have Lyme which is of course an actual disease do you believe that your stress caused a lot more of what was going on or exacerbated the Lyme and every? else I mean we can let's say we can pinpoint Lyme and that perhaps it came from a tick bite right but did everything else do you believe was it made worse by stress and caused by stress and those negative thoughts and beliefs
1: um I'm smiling as you're asking that question. Um, oh. So let me answer really quickly where I went. Um, the The name of the place is Longevity Longevity Health Center, and they're in Atlanta, Georgia, or they're in Roswell, Georgia. And um, I could not say enough good things about them. Um,
0: Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a great yeah, resource and, for people. Yeah.
1: Um, and so here's the deal. Um, if I, so 100% I believe that it was my thinking mind and my negative thoughts that caused the physiological stress response in my body. And I 100% believe in my case, this is not always the case. And that's why it's really important to get it. If you, if you are sick, you have to. Um, but I, I will say that. W-
0: if you are sick, you have like, to get what? I just lost that one. word.
1: You, you know, when you're sick, you have to go and get it checked out. Oh, um, yeah. And what I always tell, I, since I healed um, and I ended up really quickly, I ended up being completely cleared of Lyme. And for the next year, whenever stress hits, I hit a wall and I'd have to go back to taking naps every day. I physically would hit a wall. And so, so that's why I'm saying to you in my situation, um, yeah, you know, there's a statistic, um, I believe it's Caroline Leaf. She's an author and she, um, I read a book by her a while ago. It's on my website. I can't remember the name of it, but, um, I think it's called who switched off my brain and she has a a um data in there that 87 percent of chronic illnesses are due to toxic thoughts wow and in my case um I was healed of Lyme and for an entire year after that I kept hitting a wall and it was not until I, my husband and I, the whole family, we went out to California and stress you know, going, going through the holidays. It was of course, you know, stressful and, um, and I, we ended up getting out to California. <coughs> One day, I, I kind of started to physically hit a wall and I just ended up sitting there crying. And I said to him, I have to figure out how to change the way that I am, because I, I, I mean, I had evidence to see, I had been cleared of Lyme, um, to this day, you know, we all, we all come into contact with different viruses and bacteria, Mm -hmm. um, but there's, there's a percentage of us who are affected by it, and there's a percentage of us who are not, Wow. And I truly believe that, and it's not saying that you're a bad person if you have chronic illness. Um, for me, I thank God every day for what I went through. And, mm-hmm. and, and I know that it sounds really crazy and sick uh, to even think that way, but it woke me up. It woke me up. <laughs> I don't think it's
0: crazy at all. I just want to say that I think this is an important lesson for everyone all the time, Mm -hmm. Uh, for anyone. It's also a very important moment right now to say that, um, that there are so many hardships people are experiencing right now. And while, while we can never say, um, for example, with COVID-19, that you brought it on yourself or that you deserve this or that you created it. And that's not chronic illness, right? But it is an opportunity to say, there are very, very traumatic, hard things that we go through. And if we allow them to, and if we see them as an opportunity, they move us forward to a better life. We are being called to our highest selves right now, and you, mm-hmm. in your depths of despair, on that spot in California, crying and feeling hopeless and weak and vulnerable and wanting to throw in the towel, you were called to your highest self, and you said, "I have to figure out what this is," and it, and and you had an awakening. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it doesn't sound sick to say at all. It sounds like it was something that propelled you forward to where you ultimately found healing and joy. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I mean, thanking God and the universe and everything as you do every day for what you've been through is a, a healthy practice, I would say. Um, especially standing where you are now, looking back. So, well, yeah. th- what did you do? How did you? How did you get better? Because we know that you did the protocol in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. then you, and then you, I would say, um, surrendered. I would say mm-hmm. you surrendered. You said, "I've got to sort this out." And what what happened then? What was that 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 powerful shift where things just really moved forward for you.
1: So it was another rock bottom. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I cannot remember where I heard this, but I heard it relatively recently. And I really wish I could remember. It was on a podcast or something I read where the person referred to when you hit rock bottom, instead of, um, you know, when you, when you hit rock bottom, consider it a launch pad mm-hmm. to propel yourself forward and up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, okay. what, what happened was m- the interesting thing is, um, I'll back up a second. In November of, um, it was 2018. My husband and I had gone away for a weekend, and we purchased a book. We picked up this book, and it was called "Anxiety to Love," mm. and um, by Corinne Zupko. And it's interesting because I'd received books on you know, being present and, um, you know, just everything that I've learned um, since, you know, in the past year and a half. And we had, um, you know, we we had picked up the book and the fun, the amazing thing, looking back and seeing, you know, that day that I was in the depths of despair, I had that book on my nightstand. And that's the thing that we have to remember is that we we are taken care of. And no matter how hard it is, um, what I'm realizing now and, and looking back on my life and looking at different situations that happen, the answers are there. And, you know, whoever, it is, like God's got us. The universe has our back. I mean, you know, you hear different people say those things and I truly believe it. And what happened was, 3 a.m. Um, I was in the laundry room doing laundry because my husband, after we got back from that trip, my husband had severe, severe insomnia. I I had no idea that insomnia could be so bad. Um, and we ended up in the ER, um, but he had about two weeks of really, really severe insomnia. And I was, um, I was staying up with him, so.
0: So you started he reading up,
1: a lot. <laughs> well, I ended up, um, believe it or not, I was in the laundry room and came across a podcast, and it was with Oprah Winfrey, and Eckhart Tolle, mm, mm-hmm. and, and, I was in such despair, um, that I I listened to a series of podcasts that that night i mean i think i was just standing there listening for the majority of it and not really doing a whole lot of laundry Mm -hmm. because i know i listened to at least three or four podcasts and and i know that i didn't have that much laundry to fold but i i started listening and he was doing a podcast on his book a new earth Mm -hmm. and i listened i took note when my my husband had fallen asleep when he woke up I said to him, you have to listen to it because the book that we were reading, we didn't really understand it. There were things that didn't make sense. And the biggest in the following three months, I, there were, um, there were two other books that I read that just solidified change in my life and just propelled me forward. And the, the, that a new earth, what I learned from the, from, there were so many things I learned from that book, but basically how to declutter your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'd been sick one day, I had a a moment where I was driving down the road and I had no, I realized, oh my gosh, I have no thoughts in my mind. And wow. um, it was through my illness. The first thing I realized was that it's not no Like it's, it's, I used to think it was just normal to have thoughts going through your mind 24 seven. And one, I realized that that's not normal uh, or it is normal, I guess, but it doesn't have to be that way. And then, um, I also during that time for the first time in over 30 years realized that I actually like myself and love myself. Um, mm. I'd spent all those years hating myself, but that book, um, he, wow. he described, how to be mindful. I had Mm -hmm. tried to do mindfulness so many times and people kept saying, you have to do mindfulness. It's so powerful. And I never understood how to do it. And his explanation that you go outside and you sit in nature and you pay attention to your senses and you focus on your senses. What do you hear? What do you see? What do you feel? And, you know, as I'm saying that, I'm taking myself outside to my backyard and just being outside and focusing on those three things alone, it's out of your mind.
0: It really does. And it's what we all are always trying to achieve through meditation, right? Yeah, and yet yeah. it takes people years to tap into that. And you said that by reading this and listening to this and practicing it, you shifted your life in a matter of weeks.
1: Yeah, it was a couple of weeks. My anxiety I had, I'd had on and off anxiety and I lived in denial. Um, because i was too embarrassed to say that i had anxiety but mm-hmm. i lived with anxiety i think every, i don't we all have different levels of anxiety i don't know if there's there are very i don't know there i think more people than not live with anxiety um, and so in literally two weeks saying that i that it doesn't come back and i'm not saying that that um, I don't have thoughts that go through my mind because this is a practice that I have to do every single day. Sure. And, and that's, that's why.
0: That's why it's called a practice. I mean, everything that we want to be good at has to be a practice. It has to be.
1: Yeah, it really is. And um, so I'll tell you really quickly um, his book, and then um, the book that literally changed my life and every relationship in it mm-hmm. was the book "Loving What Is" by Byron Katie. Mm-hmm. And I reading that book taught me how to be curious. And it taught me um, that, you know, we we go through life believing that our thoughts are true and real. We pretty much are our thoughts. And, um, you know, when, when we're young, um, before the age of five, we only have an emotional brain. Our thinking brain doesn't kick in until we're five years old. Mm-hmm. And so those years before the age of 5 were were in our emotional brain and, and you know it's it's the and the emotional brain is the limbic system the fight flight response the, survive, the survival mode and so before the age of 5 we're not able to decide hmm okay that person
0: that person what Monica? Hey, it's me, Grace. Pardon the technical glitch there, but now's a good time to take a little break if you want to and listen to the next half hour later, or just keep on going. Isn't Monica great? She's handing us a treasure chest full of gems. So let's pick up where she left off talking about our five-year-old brains. Hi. Hi. So when Sorry, you're five years old, you were saying you have a feeling brain before you're five. Your yes. thinking brain starts when you're five.
1: Yeah, and so what happens is, you know, we everyone talks about self-limiting limiting beliefs. And mm. we don't stop to think about what a belief is. And a belief is a and a self-limiting belief is a negative thought that we keep thinking again and again and again and that's mm. that 's what becomes a belief and and our brain is wired that way and so um you know with with byron katie 's work um, it it was amazing and so with her work if if you haven 't i know that you 're aware of it, but for your listeners um, if there 's anyone who 's not heard of the, her work before um, she asks you ask four simple questions and then you do turnarounds. And for me, the power was actually in the turnarounds. But you start out, so if you have a thought. um,
0: Yeah, give us an example because it's so powerful how you do it. And Byron Katie, of course, is brilliant. And I'm so glad you're sharing her work. Give us an example of a turnaround because this, this, I believe, and you'll share more, but this launched you into – wanting to coach yeah. right and the style of coaching that you really um are so brilliant at so us an example of yeah, that
1: so real quick I will say that um her work and then um the the work that I do now um and the reason why I go into the thoughts is because you know I have a friend who has a great, great explanation is that you can have a weed and you can keep cutting the weed or, you know, um, you know, trying to get rid of the weed, but unless you actually go to the root and pull the, the plant out from the roots, you're going to keep the weeds going to keep growing. And so that's how thoughts are. And So if we, the way for us to change our beliefs is to investigate our thoughts and change our thoughts. And, um, A couple of months ago, I actually, another book um, that I came across a few months ago is called Says Who by Aura Nadrich. And I ended up actually um, becoming a certified thought coach because I saw the power Mm -hmm. in asking the questions. And so basically getting back to the example of, um, and I realized in my life that, you know, I could change the way that I felt. I could have a situation, and I'll give you an example. Um, You know, for example, you know, let's just use Rick. Rick doesn't listen. Rick is my husband. And so if I have the Mm -hmm. thought, Rick doesn't listen to me, um, you know, we go around making these assumptions. and, And so if you wanted to investigate the thought, Rick doesn't listen to me, um, you would say, or oh, it doesn't listen to me. Is this true? Well, when you're frustrated or if something's not going right, um, you're going to say, yeah, it's true. He doesn't listen to me. And then the second question is, can you, are you, sure, can you be sure that this is true? Um, and it's been a while since I read the book, so I'm, I'm probably going to miss a thing or two here. But can you be sure that it's true? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to me. And then you ask the next couple of questions. Um, how does it make you feel when you believe the thought that he does not listen to you? And for any negative, um, (laughs) thought that you have, you know, it's going to make you feel pretty crummy. It's, it's Mm going to make you feel frustrated, annoyed, aggravated unheard um you're gonna feel dismissed there's so many different feelings that are gonna rise up just from a simple thought someone doesn't listen to me mm-hmm. um and then the next question is well how how who are you when you don't pretend that thought doesn't even exist well i'm great if i don't have that thought in my mind that brick doesn't listen to me Hey, I feel great. I'm not feeling stressed. I feel pretty calm. And so those are the four questions. But then what you do is you go into the turnaround. Um, and I'm going to share a little bit more with some of the um, with the questions that I um, like to ask my clients. Um, but basically with the turnarounds, you, if, you, if I were to turn that that statement, Rick doesn't listen to me, around uh, three times, you could turn around and say, Rick does listen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and with each turnaround, you you find at least one or two examples that would make the turnaround true or truer. And so, Rick does listen to me. Is that true or truer than the original statement? Well, or, yeah, it's true. He does listen to me. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next turnaround is... I don't listen to Rick and yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. And then the third turnaround is I don't listen to myself. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is, there's so much power there.
0: There's so much there. And I'm just thinking, gosh, I mean, you've used this um, tactic or tool or process with me. Um, And it's been incredibly powerful in moving me forward with certain challenges. And I'm thinking right now about how I might apply it to parenting. And I know there are a lot of parents who listen. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I just had a kerfuffle with my eight and a half year old this morning, and it would have been a perfect opportunity to stop, take a pause and, and try that out instead of what happened, which so often happens, which is that my thoughts move so quickly, I decide and assume that he is being a certain way. And then it turns into a fit of rage mm-hmm. from both of us. Yeah. Um, so it's such a powerful tool. And I think, um, you know, this, this is one example of why investigating our thoughts is so important. And you, that's, that's what I want you to, to share more about now is is you know why you think investigating thoughts is so important and how they're related to your feelings and how we change our feelings by investigating our thoughts and therefore you know stop resisting and instead you know move forward in our lives in a more um, or less resistant, more free flowing, allowing way.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking those questions. What, what I wanted, as you were talking, what I wanted to make sure that I mentioned was that when we're in the the heat of the moment and we are feeling frustrated, angry, mad, um, disappointed, and all of those difficult emotions, that they're basically these fear-based um you know they're based in fear. That and when we're feeling those feelings, that is not the time to investigate. Um, mm-hmm. When we are feeling down and and um, life is feeling really hard, what we have to do is take that deep breath, take that pause, mm. and observe. Because when we're in that state, we're in fight flight. Um, our mm. Our you know prefrontal cortex is not turned on um our amygdala is is turned on and and we're unable um depending on what level we're at we're unable to actually really do the critical thinking and reasoning um and so you know parenting um i don't know it's it's the toughest job i've ever had and Mm-hmm. um the most rewarding um and what i have learned is that my kids have been my greatest teachers mm-hmm. um i you know i parented through fear like what if something happens and you know what i realize is that um you know When you have situations where you have a discussion with someone, and it could be with your kid, it could be with your spouse, it could be with your partner, it could be with your boss. Um, You know, we go through life, basically, when when we hit five and our thinking kicks in, no one says to us, okay, the majority of the thoughts that you're thinking are not even true. So, we basically go along, our brain is wired a certain way, and we go around through life looking at situations and experiences. And we basically go from people, person, and thing in um, situation, collecting evidence that what we believe is true. And so, what happens is that when we're having a discussion, we think we're seeing what's really happening, but the truth is that we are really seeing what we're looking for. Yes. And so, um, you know, I, I, I had, and, and those beliefs that we have of I'm not good enough or I'm not lovable. No one loves me. um, Those are my two. Um, I, I go about life (laughs) G- gathering evidence to prove that I'm not good enough, that I'm not doing enough, and that I'm not lovable. Which is the I'm not lovable is the same as I'm not good enough. Um, and I- isn't
0: that interesting? You say that you go through life gathering evidence as if every day you're on a a scavenger hunt, trying to find those things just to prove to yourself that those things are true, and just to believe that those thoughts are real.
1: Yeah. And that's and they
0: might be based in absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah. And that's the power of doing for me, those turnarounds, um, the power in that is that I realized, you know, people talk about projection and I, I said, eh, whatever. And now I see the value in it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are many days, um, where I'm caught off guard, but but I'm able to be, you know, the mindfulness helps you to become more aware. Um, it kind mm-hmm. of exercises your awareness muscle. And for me, I do mindfulness every single day. So that is necessary for us to actually recognize when we're having thoughts. And so most of the thoughts that we have um, are either. If, if you're in the negative side of things and it's the fear-based thoughts or judgmental thoughts or negative or worried thoughts, those types of thoughts sabotage us. They work against us. They knock us down and they hinder us. They really do not help us. And when, you, when we're able to investigate thoughts and we're able to say, does this thought support me or does it sabotage me or does it support Mm. this relationship or does it sabotage it and is it working for me or is it working against me and these are um our auras um says who questions um another question that these are are what Aura Nedrich. These are her questions that she Oh, Aura Nedrich,
0: the thought coach. Okay. Right.
1: These are, and, and, um, she has the Institute for Transformational Thinking. And so, okay. um, you know, it's easy for a feeling, um, but unless we, um, are able to just investigate and go, Hmm, where's this co- I wonder why this situation is really bothering me. Um, and you know, relatively recently i had a um a conversation um where the the person was so frustrated that they weren't able to hear i was, i said i you know i was a i was being empathetic um i was sharing empathy and the person was so frustrated and um and you know we kind of had a few words and I came away and I was really, really sad. And, um, you know, just, I just felt hurt. And so I'm sitting there crying and my husband was sitting there talking to me. And all of a sudden I just got this huge smile on my face and started laughing. I mean, here I was feeling really, really, really sad. And I just started laughing and he looked at me and he said, what, why are you laughing and I said because you know what there's something here that is not true and I'm believing it to be true and I'm per- the way that I'm perceiving this that's what's hurting my feelings and what happened was after I was able to relax and um just get back to a point where I was feeling a hundred percent I I went and investigated my thoughts mm-hmm. and um and I kept saying, where does that come from? Where does that come from? And I, I, what I was, where I ended up was, um, I always have this fear that I'm going to say the wrong thing. And that's what was ignited in that conversation because I started beating myself up that I should or shouldn't have said certain things like, oh, you should have, waited and not given a response or you should have said something different and I was able to just sit and investigate the thoughts and come to the realization that you know I was able to put the the questions the turnarounds and I was able to completely see things from a different perspective wow. um,
0: and so when you change your thoughts you change you're feeling. And as you've said, to me, you completely rewire your brain in that way.
1: Yeah. And when we change a thought, um, and when I'm coaching clients, I do a very powerful technique where we investigate the thoughts and, you know, oftentimes the thought came from a, you know, could be a sibling, a parent, a teacher who said, you're, you're stupid. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what we do is you um, you look for words such as, but, you know, if I have a sentence and I say, I'm going to get this job, but I don't have the skills. When I hear the word, but um, there are certain words, when I hear myself say the word, but shouldn't, should, it's my immediate flat red flag of, okay, okay there's something here that you're believing to be true. That may not be true, or there's something that you are m- may be misunderstanding about it. and um, and I'm not saying that difficult things situations don't happen. Um, mm-hmm. We're human, and it's so important to feel the feelings and give ourselves permission to feel the feelings, be kind to ourselves, and then later on, when we're a, in a place where we can at least just go, okay, well, what's this all about? And investigate the thought. Um, what I'm able to do with, with my clients is do the um, release and replace method. And what you do is you, you know, you, if you realize you have a conflicting thought, which is um, a thought that supports you. And then you say the word, but, and then the, the next part of the sentence, you're sabotaging yourself. Like I'm not good Mm. enough to get the job. Um, What you do is you recognize those sabotaging thoughts and you replace it. And you say, I have a lot to offer. And so what you do is we go through an exercise where we take that thought and we release it. And we replace it with a new thought. And I'm t- and what happens is that it's not a matter of I'm changing my feelings, but when you change your thought, those negative feelings disappear. They naturally will disappear. And I'm not saying that that the thing is how I, you know I'm in my late forties and I have thousands upon thousands upon upon thousands of negative and sabotaging thoughts and so you know doing this work it takes work yeah it's not a one and done deal Mm -hmm. but the great news is that life does not need to be as hard as it is Mm. and it's not saying or I perceive it to be well, yeah, and it's not saying that life shouldn't be hard because you know what? My difficult moments are the moments in my life where I've been most thankful because, mm-hmm. after the fact, of course, because looking back, it's what got me to get off my butt and make some changes.
0: Right. Me too, sister. That's how it works. <laughs> if you let it, that's how it works. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so what I want to say is that there's a time and place for everything. Um, Investigating thoughts, the time and place to do it is not when you're feeling really, really down. Um, When you're Mm. feeling really down, you have to give yourself compassion. Mm. You, it's, you know, um, that's such a good
0: reminder. Let yourself feel it. Take the time, observe it, as you say, don't react to it, be kind to yourself, feel the feeling, yeah. and then and then uh, look at it, right?
1: Yeah, and you know, just the, the simple facts of us saying, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way, that just leads us down a path of beating ourselves up and saying right. you should or shouldn't have reacted or you should or shouldn't be feeling this way. You know what? these are really difficult times that we are all going through right now. Yeah. And I'm reading a book called permission to feel. And it's a fantastic book. And the thing is we have to give ourselves permission to feel, but we don't have to stop there. What we can do is take notes. Okay. I was disappointed and then go and investigate, Um, you know, when we're disappointed, it's usually because we had expectations and they weren't met. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, it's, I went through my life looking externally for everyone and everything to change. Mm -hmm. And, and life, life throws us the lemons, but we definitely can make lemonade out of it.
0: Yes. And we have to look inside, you know, Mm my, my whole, phrase that I've been, you know, carrying through talks I give and work I share with the world is about leveling up in life by looking in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, and that's our work is to look inside. Yeah. And what you're describing about um, giving yourself permission to feel that's, it's, it's just, a wonderful thing to give to people um, as sort of a nugget or a tool to use today and during this time, which is believe it or not just a moment in time that will end. But this, these tools can be so helpful to us all right now. And then moving forward in our lives when things do begin to normalize. Um, but, there will always be times, some more acute, some less so, but where we feel trauma or we feel that life is hard. Um, but but giving yourself permission to feel and to also acknowledge that something's wrong and to to ask for help and yes. and and to receive coaching or to receive. Well,
1: or therapy, if are, right? If you have been through a traumatic event, it's not the right place to go and receive coaching. If you have been through a traumatic event, you know, coaching is not appropriate at that time. You need to, um, you know, receive unpack
0: trauma with yeah. a therapist, right? But what you said is that you really, you really, um, you really sought out someone to guide you and you had a lot of I guess it's called bibliotherapy by reading these books and listening (laughs) but you um, as I think so many of us did and even as we trained in coaching there's so much um, bibliotherapy and all of that but but you you wanted someone to to guide you and and you saw the value of becoming a coach and being a coach and so Um, you know, now that you are a thought coach, um, why don't you describe what would be someone who would come to you or a circumstance where someone might seek out coaching with you and then tell us where someone can find you. Sure. Um,
1: So. Yeah, I, So here's my take on this. Um, I learned many years ago when I was a pharmaceutical rep and selling products to physicians, I learned very quickly that I could not go in and tell every doctor that they needed to use my products on every single patient. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the thing is, what I'm encouraging everyone to do is to start to pay attention to what comes across your path. So today, you and I are having a conversation and there is a segment of the population who is gonna feel drawn to grace. There's a segment of the population who's gonna be drawn to Monica. There's a segment of the population who's gonna say, you know what, that book um, that Monica mentioned, hmm, there's something about it that sounds intriguing go and pick up that book. There's no coincidence um, for you to have come across this podcast, for you to be sitting listening to the podcast today. You know, whatever resonates with you, move it into action. And so what I would say, sorry.
0: And that speaks, I know I wanted to say quickly, that goes back to what you said at the beginning of this, which is that there are always signs and the universe is always leading us if we choose to listen.
1: Yes, we are receiving guidance all the time. And for over 40 years, probably over 45 years, I kept missing it. I wasn't looking for it. I was too busy looking for all the negative and the, mm-hmm. the verification that I was this terrible person. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, for anyone who um, is, just in a place where they're feeling stuck and they, they um, maybe there's a thought that you realize, Hey, this keeps popping up into my mind. And it's very powerful to be able to do the work on your own. But I will tell you that I have numerous friends who are professional coaches. And I also have numerous friends who are not professional coaches. And, um, and the thing is, no matter what, um, it is so important to connect with someone and have a conversation um and and so so i you know i i'm excited to be doing what i'm doing um nothing excites me more than when i am able to witness someone have a shift in perspective um mm-hmm. and the place that i can be found is monicabinger.com and on Facebook, I'm Monica Binger Coaching. Um, I'm not. I'm not very active on social media, um, but you can definitely. Well, find that's me. okay. You can definitely you find me on MonicaBinger.com.
0: Yeah, MonicaBinger.com. You have a beautiful new website, and I know that you coach individuals, and you're also doing coaching consulting for small businesses on authentic leadership. And you have created um, this wonderful coaching practice with these specialties and with the infusion of teaching, which I think is so brilliant. And part. of course, <laughs> yeah, that's your favorite part. Well, you're such a wonderful, powerful teacher. And what I love is two things. One, one everyone finds their own way with coaching, which allows there to be so many different kinds of coaches Mm -hmm. for people who have so many different kinds of needs. And I love that you found this specialty where you also teach. Um, And it it really does help people in such significant ways. Um, And also that you have created this practice out of everything that you have learned and gathered through all of your life experience. And also, you shine a light on such an important fact, which is that we are all always continuing to grow and change and evolve. And just because someone has been a therapist for 35 years doesn't mean that they don't have challenges. And just because someone is a coach, whether new or newly minted or having done it for 30 years doesn't mean that they don't continue to face things where they are growing and changing and evolving. And in fact, it helps I think all of us become better coaches and also better leaders in our own lives as we face more and listen more to where we're being directed and learn more. And um, I just... I think this is such a just wonderful thing that you have tapped into for yourself in a way that you can share it in such a meaningful way with so many people, and it's so clearly transformed your life, this transformational thinking, and it can transform and will transform so many others including myself. And I'm so thankful to have uh, gone on some kind of coaching journey with you, which I believe will continue in some way throughout our lives and in our relationship. Um, And I just think you are such a special, smart, thoughtful, kind, wonderful person. You spoke about kindness and there needing to be more kindness. And that just, emanates from you and I'm so just so glad to have had this time with you and appreciate you being so open and um vulnerable and honest and sharing all of your wisdom
1: oh well thank you so much grace and it's been an absolute honor to get to know you and I love listening to your podcasts and um it's you you know it's it's just so beautiful how we um you know, we go through life and the most beautiful people come across our paths and make us richer and, um, make life more fulfilling. And so you are that to me. Um, and I'm just incredibly thankful to have you in my life, but thank you so much for having me on me your podcast.
0: Too. Oh my gosh, this was so wonderful. And I hope that you will come back because I think this just, um, I know that this is just a really, different way of talking through things, um, than I tend to do, even though we share so many commonalities in the way that we sort of move through, um, life with our coaching and our thoughts and our feelings. I just Mm -hmm. would love to have you back because I think the way you share it and how you do things is different from me and it's so valuable to people. So anyway, thank you. So much for your time, and I will put your website in the show notes. Well, thank And you. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, everyone go find Monica Binger and um, read more about her and seek out A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle and um, Byron Katie. Loving What Is, is that
1: what it is? Yes. Loving What Is. Yeah. Okay all right well, okay thank you so much and let's add oh this thank you as well and yeah the, lots of notes as well
0: oh yeah in the notes yes absolutely okay well, thank you so lots much, of love Ray. thanks
1: monica thank
0: talk you. to you soon. take care bye, bye. you too. bye Thanks for listening today, guys. If you would, please subscribe to the podcast, pass it along to someone you think might like it and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It would really help so that more people can find Because Why Not? Thanks a lot. Bye.